Lifestyle of Prayer. By Rod Anderson. Lesson 2. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, again we do. We thank you so much for the Word of God. It is life, you said, this Word is life, life, life unto them that find it. It's life unto them that find it. It's life unto them that find it. And it's health and it's healing to all their flesh. Lord, that's what we want. We want to find the Word of God. We want to find it and make it our own and put it in our heart particular in this area of prayer, Father, as we teach on this, this matter. So again, Father, we, we release our faith for your spirit to teach us and to guide us. And we release our faith, Father, that the words that we hear and that we speak and the scriptures we look into, that they will do more than just tickle our ears, Father. That, Lord, what I'm trusting you for is an impartation, that more than information, that there'll be an impartation, Father, of your spirit of grace and supplication. That there would be a spirit of prayer come upon these people, Father, where they'd begin to call upon you and seek you out and that you'd begin to show yourself alive to them. So we trust you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is hour number two then on the lifestyle of prayer. We're still on page two of lesson one. We're going through just some verses, as I said when we finished the last hour, that simply show that the Father wants us to call upon Him. And again, that should be something that everybody just takes for granted, if it's okay to say that, but unfortunately we don't. But again, when I first started out on this journey of prayer, as I said in the first hour, all I know is that I, I had to I, build my faith. And, and again, with whatever the topic is in Scripture, if you guys do attend every course, you will get probably very tired of hearing me say this, but it's one of these principles that you have to understand. Faith in any area of the things of God. Listen, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what the will of God is, in other words, it's very difficult to have faith. If you don't know the will of God for healing, then how are you going to have faith for God to heal you if you don't believe that it's God's will to heal you? If you don't have faith, if you don't have faith that it's God's will to bless you and to prosper you, you know, you're never going to really confidently work toward it or call out for it or release your faith for it because the scripture says about prayer later on, we'll get in First John where it says, if your heart condemns you, if you lack confidence in your heart, it says the Lord will not hear you. It says your heart will condemn you and the Lord will not hear. In other words, it's this principle about Hebrews eleven six: 6, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And again, it's not that God's looking for a way to restrict our access. You have to just understand Faith is this, the way I always use it, is faith is the currency that heaven works with. In this realm, we use money. In heaven, the issue, the way things go from one place to another is through faith. Here, it's through money. 
You hear what I'm saying? Here we offer up money and we get food back. In heaven, it's this thing, when we release faith, it's what causes faith, it's what causes heaven then to offer unto us that which is always available. Now, do, do you hear that? Do you really? See, it's just that simple. So when it comes to prayer, like with any other topics, you see, faith about prayer begins when you understand or know what His will is. And so all of these very simple verses are nevertheless very important verses because they validate the fact that God says over, I'm only giving a few here, God says over and over and over and over and over again, call upon me and I will answer you. So why would he say that if he didn't intend to do that? I mean, hopefully, again, see, one of the first places you have to begin is this truth is that God is not a man that he should lie, right? Right? It says, with God, there's no shadow of turning. It says, with him, there is no variableness. He's not like shifting shadows, it says in one verse. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm just saying, you see, you and I need to develop our faith in the first place that he even wants us to call upon him. So that, again, we've, we build, like I said, a right foundation about prayer. I mean, why would he say over and over and over again, call upon me in the day of trouble, if he didn't want you to call upon him in the day of trouble? Hear me? Okay, well, so with that, with that in mind, let's look again at some of these verses. Now, on the top of page 2, let me just start at the one we've, we read in Psalm, I'll read Psalm 50, verse 14 and 15 again. It says, Sacrifice thankgivings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And the next one was Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13, 11 through 13, where God's word says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Now, have you actually understood that this verse is still alive today and it speaks to every one of you? Did you hear me? This verse is still alive today and it's, it's speaking to every one of you. Outside of your bad behavior, outside of everything else that you may have done, what's outside of your mistakes, God's plan for you has never changed. It's never been taken off the table. Remember, this is where I need to interject again that God is no respecter of persons. God does not play favorites. Did you hear me? God, in other words, I say it over and over again in every course as well. God, if he is no respect for persons, that means God will not do for one person what he won't do for another. You have to believe that. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time in this Christianity journey. God will not do for one person what he won't do for another when similar conditions are met. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't different callings but I'm talking about just individuals. God will bless whosoever will allow him to bless them. It may be in different levels. A man blessed in the, in the wilds of Africa is, doesn't need a new Rolls Royce or doesn't need a building. He, just, he needs the, whatever it takes to sustain him there. It is relative. But the point is, the will of the Lord is the same. You let God worry about the relativity issue. 
but I want you to be aware of the truth of heaven's desire to fulfill his plans for every one of you. And there's never been one person that God has birthed into this earth that he's ordained to go through a life of failure. Did you hear me? God's plan for all his children is that they be blessed in their body, blessed in their mind, blessed in their soul. And this book, is a, again, is an instruction book about this issue. It's a book to tell us how to get healed so that we can then go back to work, as it were, you know, in the things of the kingdom. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Tell you, that meant a lot to me when I came out of the penitentiary. <laughs> you know, I had no hope of a future, but for God, for that word to hit me and to realize that I have a future in God, that's not going to be like my past. It meant a lot to me. He said, then you will call upon me. And that's, I don't know why, but see, I've always connected that when I look at this. Verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And then verse 12 says, then you will call upon me. And it's like God saying, if you can believe the first thing that I just said, if you can believe this, if you'll believe that my plans for you are good, if you'll believe that my plans are not to harm you, but to do you good and give you a future, then you can begin to call upon me. You hear what I'm saying? It's like you have to have the negativity erased out of your heart as far as God's desire towards you. You have to get delivered from that sense that God's going to beat you and break you and, and bust you over the head to try to teach you something. He said, then you will call upon me and then you'll come and you'll pray to me. And this is why I always say, like when I taught on the love walk in the last course, listen, you do not want to draw close to somebody that you think wants to hurt you. Do, will you? You will not want to get very intimate with somebody if you're always frightened that they're looking for an opportunity to harm you. Will you? It's not human nature. And this is why you have to get this new picture or the correct picture of who your Father in heaven really is. He has no plans to harm any of you. The only, he is good. God is good. In him, God is light. God is good. In him, there is no shadow of turning. God is altogether good. God is love. Romans 13, 10, love never hurts anyone. There's nothing in God to hurt anybody. There's nothing in God to cause harm. God is love. Love never has hurt anybody. So you have, that's, again, that's why he wants you to understand that first because then you'll want to come and get close to him. He said, then you will call upon me and you'll come and you'll pray to me. And he said, and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me. He said, when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, when you really come at gut level and say, you know what? I really, really want to know you. There's an old maxim I found in uh, Clark's commentary uh, uh, I forget who said it, but it was, it said, it was from, it said this, it said, this was an old maxim or a statement from the rabbinical fathers of old, quote, the prayers of the righteous are short, unquote. I've always loved that. The reason I bring that up right now is because it seems like the longer you walk in God, really, uh, I don't want to, it's going to sound like it's going to contradict some things that we're saying. But it's like the shorter your prayers get. In other words, the more you know Him, 
the more you realize prayer is not about arm wrestling God into submission. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. And we're up here. Come on, God. And God's up there and we're fighting with God and we're, you know, <laughs> trying to, and then it's like, you know, prayer is not about arm wrestling God into submission. Prayer is about knowing that he's your father who wills to do good things for us. Prayer is about what I call connectivity, being connected to heaven. So that there's a flow of heaven's will into your life. And again, this is where prayer has been mis misrepresented in some cases. And in the name of spiritual warfare, like even our own ministry, sometimes we get kind of categorized with a lot of guys that do some things that, you know, we don't fully agree with at all. We don't, we never have believed in, as it were, yelling at the devil, for example, and all this kind of stuff. We, we believe in faith. And we believe in the communion with God. And we believe with release in our faith. And we believe in coming to the place where you, you realize that God is a thousand billion times more willing to see change than we are. <laughs> you know, that it's, and, that, and, and you begin to learn these things, that it's not a matter of that God doesn't want to do some things. It's a matter that God's people don't pray. It's, that old, it's, it's the basics of way back there, isn't it, Jacob, when he said, when the angel came and spoke to Jacob, remember, was Jacob, where he said to you, Jacob, he said, from the first moment you prayed, your words were heard. Remember that? From the moment you opened your mouth and spoke, your words were heard in heaven, but I was withstood, I was withstood, it says, by the prince of Persia. Remember? In other words, you said, I, and I have come for your words in behalf of your words. In other words, this man on heaven on earth was praying, and God, the moment, and see, this is what something else you have, the moment the man of God, this man opened his mouth in prayer, heaven heard, but there was a battle up here. The answer on its way down was blocked, was stopped by the prince of Persia, by this demonic power over that area, and there was spiritual warfare between angelic powers, but see, and, and I don't want to go into all of that talk right now, but the point is this. The words of the men who were praying were heard in heaven instantaneously. But you see, there is this something that happens in the realm above our head that we don't know all about that causes things to be slowed down, hindered, uh, keeps things from happening as quickly as we'd like them to happen. And, and see, all I know is this. This is why you have to build your faith so much in what I'm trying to say here. God said, call, I will answer. But between the time of, the, of us calling and the manifestation of the things that we're looking for, that's where we have to understand the rest of Scripture. It is through faith and patience, it says, that we're going to reap these promises of God. The patience factor, this is why, again, one of the first things that happens in prayer is that God will create in you a peace where you'll just go, it's okay, because I'm loved of God. I don't, I, see, it, there's so many things that prayer produces first in you before prayer begins to produce through you for others. I just want to keep saying that somehow until... I'm trusting God again, like I said, that your spirits are hearing more than your head is trying to listen to right now. Because it's very important. It's just very important. Just, you still with me? All right, it's, it's, it's gonna be okay, trust me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now let's just jump to the next verse, like I said, because I need to <laughs> get through these lessons. Psalm 86, five, six, and seven. 
David said, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. This is David again. And then Deuteronomy 4, verses 5, 6, and 7. Now this, this is a pat, this, this, these three verses to me are very important because these three verses, all the way back in the Pentateuch, you know, which is just means the first five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible, remember that they're called the Pentateuch. But anyhow, this is the testimony. These three verses actually lay out the testimony that God's people are supposed to carry. Now listen to it. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses speaking to all of Israel. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, quote, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now listen to this statement. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? Isn't that incredible verses? But do you really hear that? Do you hear what's being said there? Do you see why we've, we've got, a, we unfortunately, we lost Somewhere along the line, you see, faith was diluted to such a degree. So much humanism and stuff entered into the Israel and entered into the body of Christ that we just have a celebration party when any prayer gets answered. <laughs> when what God's intention in the beginning was that as we follow the things of God and follow the will of God and followed these, the wisdom of God through obeying these commandments, whether they be commandments that deal with our lands, our bodies, our marriages, our relationships. God's will was that through doing those things, you and I would be such a blessed people that other nations would see. And it wasn't so that they would see and call us great, but they'd see that the God that we serve is great. Do you understand? This is why it's important this is why other people, religious people, get all shook up when we talk about the fact that you, God wants you blessed because they think we're saying, you know, what they hear is that we want to be blessed. But yes, I do want to be blessed. But I want to be blessed for the biblical mandate reason, which is it is intended to cause other people that don't know God to look upon us and say this word. What is it? I mean, why are you so blessed? Why do these good things happen to you? And the reason that that is to happen is so that we can turn to them and say, it is because of the God that we serve, the one true God who is alive and is so near to us whenever we call upon him. And that is to astound these other nations. Well, will you agree with me that we've, come up, we've fallen a long way from that? But you see, we're, bless God, making up space now. We're making up lost ground now. Please say hallelujah, hallelujah. because we are. We're, you know, we're coming closer and closer to the last days, end times, whatever you want to speak to. And I, I have to tell you, you know, you and I are going to see this testimony reestablished in the body of Christ. 
Did you hear me? We're going to see this testimony reestablished in the body of Christ. But again, this is why you need to be delivered from wanting things just so that people look at you. If that's why you'll never have them. And that's why there's still so much weakness in the church because people, they still don't understand the reason. <laughs> and I don't, you know, God help us. You know, we don't, we don't see the forest because of the trees. You know, it's right in front of us. But you see, don't get angry at the people who do mess it up <laughs> because of their own greed and their own lustful desires to just heap treasures under themselves or whatever. Don't get mad at the few people even that, that preach it wrong. Just forgive them and just ask God to bless them so that they come to the right understanding. But whatever you do, don't throw away the, the, the right message of heaven just because some messengers have it wrong. You hear what I'm trying to say? Don't, you know, the old saying, don't kill the messenger. Don't kill the messenger for bringing the message, right or wrong. But I love those, those three verses. Those three verses, I wish every church pastor, every church leader, you know, had it tattooed on their forehead and on their arms that <laughs> they really understood this. This is what it's all about. This is the reason I want to obey God. I mean, you cannot find any place in Scripture, any place in Scripture where when people obeyed the commandments and the wisdom of God, they weren't blessed. Think about that. That's just the truth. Hallelujah. So, I mean, you see, and is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? See, he's just waiting. So there's been some horrific thing happen, you see, in our thinking that's caused us to have so much doubt, so much fear of man. We're so afraid of what others might think as well if we do set our, 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 set our focus on just trying to live for God fully. That everything, I don't know, it's like Jesus said in Mark 4, all these other things, the distractions of the age, these things creep in and they begin to suffocate the word. They suffocate the message. And we begin to believe a lie. Like I always said, we begin to believe something less than the truth. And again, what you believe you attract. And so you attract junk instead of the, the right stuff. Anyhow, Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Hallelujah. And then Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is nigh. And what's nigh mean? Near. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Now that's the same, that's the truth today as it was then. And like I said, why am I putting these simple verses out there that so many of us just read over so quickly is because you need to build your faith in this. Wait a second. You need to keep saying, wait a second. No, anything else is a lie. The Lord is nigh unto me. I don't care what I feel like. The Lord is nigh unto me right now. My Lord hears me when I pray. So you need to, you need to get yourself saying that every day. God hears me when I pray. I mean, you don't want to, you know, don't walk around telling it to all your neighbors and everybody in your church because they'll think you're proud. But in your own prayer closet, when you're alone, you need to walk back and forth and speak these things out. God hears me. God hears me when I pray. If God hears no one else, bless God, He's going to hear me. Father, I thank you that you hear me. Father, I thank you that you hear me always. That's what Jesus said. Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me always. In other words, know that. See, close your eyes so tight that you can see. 
And know that when you call upon the name of the Lord, when you speak that name of Jesus, know that heaven is listening. No matter what, even if things are blocked and things don't happen instantly, see, get your eyes off of that for the moment. Just, I'm just trying to get you to focus on this truth. Please see this truth, that heaven hears you immediately. You have to build your faith in that first. Don't worry about, oh, well, why doesn't it happen so quick yet? Let's just build your faith in the first part first, because if you get the first part first, the other stuff, <laughs> the other stuff begins to be decreased and diminished by incredible levels. When you just get this attitude and you, I know God hears me. I don't hope so. I know so because I'm coming in his name. Hallelujah. Now point C, I just simply put how to pray. And again, I refer number one, I just said your attitude. Realize that indeed you are communicating with the living God, but never forget he is your father. That's what I alluded to before about again, like my daughter. Your attitude, when you come before the Lord, see, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But again, the fear does mean reverence there. It doesn't mean to be afraid. So do be aware that you're coming before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of all glory, the Father God himself as shall I. But again, see, this is the miracle of the new birth in the New Testament. But today, you have to realize that you have received the spirit of adoption and that he is your dad. And he wants you to have that attitude. He, you know, some people think the only way God hears you if, if, is if you speak King James English. I mean, you ever really, isn't it funny? I mean, you don't, talk to you, you don't talk to your neighbors like that, do you? Your friends or your husband or your wife or your kids? No, you don't talk like that, but, how, but it, seriously, but how many people know people that the moment they go to prayer, they shift into something, some other language where it's, oh, and you know, like as they go off into this thing where thou, thee, thou, this, and thou, and thee knowest, and it's like that adds more power, or that adds more weight, or to, <coughs> and see, that's, that's religions, that's just religiosity, that's not faith, he's my dad. This is why you, you learn to just talk with him. Like years ago, like I said, he told me, he said, I want you to develop, in America we call it a living room, I guess it's what do you call it, a lounge here or whatever. You know where you have your settee and you just, where you sit down and have a cup of tea? He said, son, he said, I want you to understand that our, what this is really about is I want you to come in, sit down, kick your shoes off so we can talk. This is talk. You know, because a lot of prayer, remember, prayer isn't all about petition either, is it? I mean, we'll get to all these things. A lot of people think that the only prayer they know is asking for something as opposed to just communing with someone. And this is, again, what I keep trying to say. We need to get vertical, this thing correct vertically before we begin to understand anything that's horizontally. Horizontal exists, but vertical is important. That's the most important thing, that we just learn to commune with him. Hi. How, you know, how are you today? And you know, he'll say, fine, because <laughs> he is. <laughs> you know, people used to laugh at me, but like, I still do it to this day. I take Jesus to lunch. We go to lunch together. I'll go, I'll sit someplace, I'll get a hamburger, I'll get a salad or something, and I just, in my mind's eye, I just have talks. I mean, I don't sit there with people sitting next to me, so Jesus, what do you think, you know? And have them all go, you know, move over another table or something like that. <laughs> I don't do that. But I go and I sit some places and I've just trained myself to turn off and I, I use that time to be with him. And I'll just, 
but I will mutter to myself. I've, you know, a lot of I, but I find certain places where I can do it, and I'll just go and I'll just, and I'll just talk to him. And I'll sit there and talk, and I'll listen. Judy laughs at me because I, I still like to go to shows. I'll go to the cinema, and uh, I always get kidded about going to the cinema like I'm wasting my time or something. But there's some of the most valuable times I have. And uh, anybody, a few times some people have gone with me, they laugh because I will go to a cinema. This is, this is the God's truth. I'll go and pay it for a ticket. I'll go and I'll to the cinema. I'll buy a popcorn and a Coke. I'll sit there, not see the movie, not eat the popcorn to drink the Coke. And I just sit there. And I don't know why. It's like I've escaped. I don't know why. But I'll sit there and sometimes I get some of my best revelations from heaven. I really do. Because I'm just, it's someplace, it's like there's so much going on I have to go and get someplace where the phone's not going to ring, somebody's not going to whatever, and I just go and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll connect with heaven. And I'll get out in the car and on the way home, I'm just like writing stuff down. I'll stop and I'll write because I've heard something. And this is why every one, every one of you, see, you just need to develop that place where, or that something where you just let it be real, where you connect. You know, some of the most, like John Maxwell, you know, is a fellow who's an incredible leadership speaker. As a team, we've gone through some of his stuff. The, the set of tapes that he's done that's the most well-known now is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. But uh, in that book and in some of the tapes, he said that his staff, uh, they had to understand that part of his daily routine was that God had spoken to him to set aside and make part of his daily schedule what he called thinking blocks. Where part, in other words, where part of his day is, and some of the people that are on his staff, part of their, you know, they're salaried to work, but part of their work day includes one and a half hours to two hours where they are to do nothing but think. Because that's where the creativity comes from, this matrix of creativity. See, the world can call it one thing, the Bible can call it another, but I mean everybody, the children of this world are wiser than the sons of men. The point is this, anybody that knows anything about anything knows that you have to create an environment where creativity can have an opportunity to go to work. And when you have the Creator Himself, God Almighty, and you've got access to the Creator Himself, it seems very foolish to not want to take advantage of spending some time with the Creator Himself because the Creator is pretty creative. And in your jobs, at home, in your work, in your relationships, you can trust creativity then to begin to happen in your life. And, but you can ask for it, you know, new ways of doing old things. And hear me? But thinking blocks, see, this is when prayer is much more than, like I said, than just petitioning. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. See, prayer is a lifestyle. This is what I, why I call this course the lifestyle of prayer. I'm not talking about you having God on a schedule. I remember when the, that part of the prayer movement started and everybody, Larry, Larry Lee had this revelation from God that was his and it was right. And he, you know, where he began to teach on some wonderful things and about early morning prayer. And I mean, he'd be there, the churches in America for those first few years, were, I mean, the highways were flooded between 4.30 and 5 in the morning, people going to churches because it caught all over the nation. But it worked incredibly well for Larry Lee's church and a few other churches, but for a lot of other churches, after six months went by, instead of having a lot of inspired Christians, all they had was tired Christians. Because as, as uh, uh, oh, I can't remember his name right now, um, the guy... Oh, another preacher, he said, the problem is with you guys, he said, he was talking, talking to the ministers, he said, Larry heard from God. He said, but you heard from Larry. 
In other words, you were trying to do what God spoke to Larry to do as opposed to doing what God spoke to you to do. But anyhow, you know, prayer is to be a lifestyle. It's not just about petitioning. It's something that you, it's, it's communing with God. And like I said, God, I, I say this about every course I teach, God is a God of individuality. In other words, God will work a way with you that is you, that is just intimately the way you work. And this is what you have to find. It's called a place of consecration. In other words, a place where this is what you have, and you have to guard it because it'll try to, the world will try to steal it. Like I said, this is why with me, I, get, I, I have a lot known for being very free and all this kind of stuff, and sometimes people mistake my freedom for being, um, I don't know what, loose or whatever. But I, I take care of my time because it's, it's, I use my time. I am a meditator. I mean, I can't help the way God's hardwired me that way. I'm a person that I, some of my best time to others probably looks like I'm doing nothing. But believe me, I'm not doing nothing because when you're thinking purposefully, when you've determined to think on the things of God, that's not doing nothing. That's doing something. That's where my strength comes from that allows God's anointing to flow, you know, by His great grace through me at times to touch the lives of others in these meetings and conferences, what have you. It's not, it's not just, this is what I'm trying to say. See, the, what prayer does, prayer takes you from having a good message to having a good anointing. Do you understand? In other words, anybody can outline scripture and probably teach a course. If you have a good organizationally gift, if you have a good organizational gift, you can take certain scriptures and you can put together a teaching just like a lady can put together a recipe. But there's all the difference in the world between being able to, you know, speak something and have that something be anointed. It's where in Matthew, where Jesus said, you know, that you think, he said that he, when he talked about when you come to the altar, he, he's made this statement to the Pharisees. Jesus said, is it the gift that sanctifies the altar or the altar that sanctifies the gift? And see, a lot of people, even in ministry, think that because they have a great gifting, but that's what sets apart their church or their ministry. And unfortunately, because people aren't as taught as they should be, they are more moved by giftings often than they are by anointings. In other words, people with great communication skills, people can think that's anointing when it isn't. And there's just a difference. All I know is it's like I always say about musicianship. You know, there's professional musicians that can hit every note perfectly every time. But then there are musicians who aren't that technically skilled, but they're anointed. And as the old saying goes, I would rather listen to an anointed man than a gifted man anytime. I always remember the old illustration out of Reader's Digest about this speech class where these people were being taught in the modes of expression and how to put emphasis on particular words at particular time so that their speaking would be with passion and with power. And, and at this particular, uh, like it was an organization where they had like a, oh, what's the word? They had a, like a contest, you know, where they'd pick two people, they'd give them the same thing to read, a script to read, 
and then people would uh, uh, judge them or critique how the, what the, how they did and judge them from one to ten on something on their ability to speak and how they moved the audience and what have you with the way they spoke. And this one young man and an old man were given this script, and it was Psalm 23. They were asked to read Psalm 23. This is one of my favorite stories. It's a true story, but I love it. And this young man was very skilled. He really read all the books, knew how to perfect, put the right accent in the right places. And, and he read this, The Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me beside still waters. And he said this thing so perfectly. And when he got done saying it, just everybody in the whole room applauded one, have you? And this old gentleman got up and he read Psalm 23 with nowhere near the skill of the young man. But when he got done, nobody applauded, but everybody was weeping. And this young man, he turned to the moderator and he said, I don't understand. He said, what's the difference? He said, why are these people responding so differently to this gentleman's reading when I read it with so much more? I mean, they applauded me, but why are they weeping? He, he's evoked emotion in them, and I just kind of evoked, you know, an, an, a response from the people. And this moderator turned to this young man. And he said, well, son, he said, you knew the psalm. He knew the shepherd. And uh, I've, that, always, that always meant a lot to me. In other words, it's, it's just a difference, you see, between quoting a message and knowing it and having lived it. And see, this is what we've got to get back to in our churches. We've got to get back to the place where we aren't talking about something that we've learned. We're, we're actually revealing a friendship that we have with someone as opposed to a knowledge of some scripture. We're talking about an intimacy with someone. And this is what prayer is to do. Prayer produces intimacy. It just does. Prayer produces intimacy with God. Or prayer produces intimacy with the people that you pray with. Prayer produces intimacy. That's what it's all about. There's just so many things about it. But point number two on page three, the top of page three, because I need to get going here, is, again, now this sounds so simple, but uh, this is the basics of prayer. Always pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Now, now again, I, those of you who know me know that I'm not legalistic by any means. In other words, I'm not into law. But I am into accuracy. <laughs> and while I know that God will hear the cry of a heathen when he says, God help me sometimes, I do know that, you know, that the Bible is full of truth and the more we know, the more we can expect to receive from heaven. But in point A is John 16, 23 through 24, Jesus changes the way that his disciples pray. Because remember, Jesus is actually in his ministry with the disciples. He has not died yet. And so he's ministering under the old covenant, isn't he? But he nevertheless tells them this. He said, and in that day, and he's speaking of the day after he dies and is raised from the dead. But listen to what he says. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, so what he's saying is, but now ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now, again, 
you know, later on, I want to teach a little bit more about the name of Jesus. I used to do an entire course in a Bible college on the name of Jesus. I've got a whole curriculum on the name of Jesus that I haven't taught here for many, 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 many years. Very, very important. But I just want you to catch this one part. He said that before this time, he said, he said, you're not going to ask me anything. He said, the day is coming when you won't ask me anything. He said, but this is how you're going to pray. He said, you're going to learn to ask the Father but you're going to ask in my name. And then he will grant unto you whatsoever you ask that your joy may be full. Now, let me just say just that. The Bible teaches, like I said, I'm not going to pontificate this or go all over a lot. <laughs> but we're called to pray in the name of Jesus. And we're called to pray to who? Father. To the Father. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray to Jesus, but I've got to tell you, Jesus said, don't ask me. It's even like when he studied the truth about praise. You know, when he said, even Jesus, when people called him good, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There'd be none good but the Father. Jesus in the Bible never received praise. He always then gave the praise to the Father. This is where, again, some people have difficulty, but I don't want to make a war out of it because that's where one denomination started called, you know, the whole Jesus only movement from that's something else that I want. We don't want to get into all that stuff, teach you church history. But the point is he said, we're to pray unto who? The father in Jesus name. Now, let me say this too. Now don't get mad at me, but there's no place in the Bible where you said, it says you're to pray for Jesus sake. I remember growing up here. My mom sometimes said for Jesus sake. Amen. Well, if you think about that statement, for Jesus' sake. In other words, I'm praying for the good of Jesus. Well, I'm not praying for the good of Jesus. I'm praying really for the good of me. <laughs> I'm praying because of the change I need. So to pray for Jesus' sake, I'm just saying isn't scriptural. Now, don't attack anybody that you hear pray that way, okay? Please say okay. But we are to pray in the name of Jesus because, you see, that's where all the power is. And we will get to this a little bit later because that's where the authority is. And I want to say what I've referred to already, like when the Lord first ministered to me. I t this is exactly what I heard heaven say to me 23 years ago. He said, the moment you mentioned that name, Jesus, because God was really trying to get me to get a revelation of this. See, what we've done, unfortunately, we've used the name of Jesus like a lucky rabbit's foot. We just spout it out all the time. When this name is the name that's above all names, it's a name whereupon every knee that's in heaven, that's in earth and under the earth is going to bow. It's the name of Jesus Christ. It represents all that heaven is, all that heaven has done. But the Lord said to me all those years ago, I've never, he said, I want you to catch a picture of this, Rod. He said, the moment you from faith, now this is the difference from faith, from your spirit, not just from your head. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. No. But the moment you mention that name and you pray and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, he said, what I want you to see in your mind's eye, what I want you to catch with the eye of your spirit is that the moment that you speak that, that all of heaven stands at attention and waits for the next words that come out of your mouth. You need to meditate on that. Because that name is the name that all heaven bows to. And all I, all I have learned is this, you see. This is why 
as you grow in this and grow in the Lord, you, you'll find yourself speaking slower and praying slower because you realize, again, you see, what I do, what we do, what by I, I mean all of us, we're not doing something for ourselves, for our sake, per se. We're, but we're coming. This authority that's been granted us is so that we first, like I said, get changed ourselves, but so that we can be world changers. But it's this name that all the authority lies, is where all the authority lies. We have no strength to heal anybody, do we? Do we? But it's in that name. But representing him, we come in the power of attorney. We come with that name. And like it'll say all through the Bible, in the Amplified Bible, it says in where that name is, it says, presenting all that I am. It'll say in parentheses, the name, presenting all that I am. In other words, that name encapsulates all that Jesus says, just like your name does. A man's only, you know, your name is only as good as your word. And, you know, all these things that we learned and like we, or my daddy grew up with and what have you like this. What do people think of when they hear your name? Well, what do you think of when you hear the name of Jesus? See, just a Bible character? This is why when you study the man and you study the man and you look into the man and you begin to see who the name represents, when you use that name, you use it far more judiciously. In other words, you'll be far more, you won't just play with it. It's a powerful name. It's, the, you know, have you ever really thought about this? I'm sure you have, but have you ever really thought about that even heathen people? How many times have you heard people swear, oh, Buddha damn this? You know what I mean? Or, oh, you know, in the name of Confucius or Confucius this. I mean, when people swear, when people curse, isn't it strange that nobody curses with the name of Muhammad? Nobody curses with the name of Buddha. Or nobody curses with the name of Jesus or with the name of God. Even everybody, when they curse, they say, Jesus Christ. And see, because hell has done its best to prefer. Just think about that in a bar. I mean, we've done this before, and it's funny. I mean, I don't, this is maybe tempting the Lord a little bit, where people, you know, they're swearing, ah, Jesus, when people that don't know him, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. But we, I remember, actually, I was sitting with another man who did this, and he just said, he said, I'm tired of that. And he said, in the name of Jesus. And he said, and just everybody went, <laughs> I mean, there was all the difference in the world between these people cursing with that name and somebody who knew the man speaking that name. It's just a different spirit. But I mean, think about that. You see, the powers in that name, you never heard anybody say, oh, Buddha, damn this. Confucius, damn that. Because there's no power in any of them because there's no God there. But what hell has done is get people to say, God, damn something. And to swear with the name that's above every name because that's where the power is. Just think about it. There's no power in any other name. Hallelujah. So we pray in the name of Jesus. John 14, verse 13 and 14. There's not really a scripture on prayer, but I wanted to put it in here. It's a scripture on authority where Jesus said in John 14, verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now this is powerful and I'm going to just finish this hour by talking a little bit about the authority in this name. The Greek translation of that verse right there, this is peace, Dr. P.C. Nelson, who was the foremost Greek scholar of our time. He's, went, he's been with the Lord for some 30 years now. He said, the literal Greek translation of that verse 14 says this, quote, whatever you shall demand as your rights and privileges, that I shall do. Whatever you shall demand. In other words, this isn't going to God and demanding of God. This is knowing what your rights are 
And this is establishing and decreeing your rights in front of your adversary. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will bring forth. Always pray according to the Word of God. 1 John 5, 14, and 15. And this is the confidence. I've got to hurry. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Hallelujah. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Now, I want you to mark your outline there because I'm going to come back to that when we come back next week because I'm going to start there with the Amplified. But just real quickly, you see the commentaries, the two next paragraphs? These are just commentaries about the name of God. I want to read them real quickly. To know the name of God, this is what the commentary from the Amplified Bible says, to know the name of God is to witness the manifestation of those attributes and to apprehend that character which the name denotes. God's name is His self-revelation. The name signifies the active presence or involvement of the person in the fullness of the revealed character. Now again, read that over and over again to yourself. But understand, see, this is where I used to meditate. The name represents the active presence and involvement. Hallelujah. See, I need Him actively involved in what I'm doing. Real quickly, if I can have enough time, E.W. Kenyon said, Jesus said that whatever we ask the Father for in prayer in His name, He will endorse. This puts prayer on a purely legal basis for He has given us the legal right to use His name. As we take our privileges and rights in the new covenant and pray in Jesus' name, listen, it passes out of our hands into the hands of Jesus. He then assumes the responsibility of that prayer, and we know that He said, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hearest me, and I know that Thou hearest me always. Next paragraph, in other words, we know that the Father always hears Jesus, and when we pray in Jesus' name, it is as though Jesus Himself were doing the praying. He takes our place. This places prayer not only on legal grounds, but makes it like a business proposition. When we pray, we take Jesus' place here to carry out His will, and He takes our place before the Father. Summary, there are two kinds of Christians, those who pray their way through life, those who butt their way through life. Which kind will you be? We're going to stop right there. Father, we thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. You have reached the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.